0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast from HorrorGeekLife.com. I'm your host, Melissa. And with me again this week is Matt. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you. Uh, Glad to be back on.
0: Thanksgiving is next week. I cannot believe it's already here. It felt like Halloween was like yesterday. And on the show, we are going to talk about holiday horror, but not just any holiday horror, the holiday horror selection on Tubi. I am a fanatic for Tubi. I have been watching Tubi so much. Pretty much my go-to. I I subscribe to so many different streaming channels and Tubi, which is free by the way with ads, Tubi is my main go-to. I am just addicted to it. And Matt, if you've been checking it out very much, you know, I think that you'll probably agree that it's kind of like going to the video store back in the 80s, but the really cool video store, not a blockbuster or, you know, like they're really mainstream ones, but more like the mom and pop shops that had the really good horror on the shelves. What do you think? Do you check it out much?
1: Yeah, as far as the horror selection goes, Tubi blows every other streaming service just completely out of the water. It's got just a huge selection of some even hard-to-find horror films.
0: It has 80s slashers I didn't even know existed. And like that blows me away that I had no idea that these films existed. So I've been binging. I I, I pretty much, if I'm watching a movie at night, I kind of go to Tubi first and see what's on. Now, the streaming service isn't great for brand new horror films, mainstream, things like that. It's really more for 80s, 90s, and a lot of more obscure stuff. It has a lot of Full Moon films on there, the really good stuff (laughs) that Full Moon used to make. And it has a lot of new indie stuff, too, so... Films that we cover a lot at Horror Geek Life, films that my friends have made, they are on Tubi. You know, I should say that I'm not getting paid for this. I am in no way affiliated with Tubi. I am just a horror fan who has become obsessed with Tubi, and I talk about it way too often. So... (laughs) hopefully if you are starting your holiday horror films here soon which most of us do around thanksgiving i've actually already started on it we can offer up some new suggestions or some old favorites that is on the streaming platform before we dive into news this week matt have you checked anything out that you want to talk about with our listeners
1: I've been working a lot, so I haven't had a chance to dive into anything yet uh, this week. But I'm really excited to dive into a comic called What's the Furthest Place from Here by Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. And I got the edition that comes with a vinyl 7-inch, which I believe they're doing for each issue. And Blake Schwarzenbach from Jawbreaker and Just to Brazil recorded a brand new song for it. So I'm a huge fan. I'm really excited.
0: I'm a huge fan also. And I watched the music video. It was really great. I haven't added that one yet. Maybe I'll check that out down the road, especially if it's something that you can highly recommend once you dive into it. So... For me, I have been binging comics when I'm not watching horror films <laughs> from the 80s. Just a couple to name is Sabrina Something Wicked. It's a 2020 series. And I love Sabrina. I love Archie comics. I love the whole universe. So I get really excited in a really uh, dorky way to <laughs> check all of these out. And I've been wanting to read the Something Wicked since it came out last year. But I haven't done so until now. So I just started that last night, actually. And I read the first three issues. And I I loved it. So, if you're a Sabrina fan, I think that that one is a really fun one to dive into so far. So, on a previous episode, we talked about just for a second the Black Monday murders. And I had finished up volume one and I said, Oh, I'm going to read volume two tomorrow or something. And I didn't (laughs) until like a few days ago. (laughs) Oh my God, it is so good. You're actually the one that introduced me to this series. And I am blown away by just how beautiful of a comic and how brutal it is. I think if you're a horror fan that also is into comics, this is a must read. The artwork by Tom Coker is just brilliant. I mean, it's so sharp. It plays out in your head like a movie or a miniseries. It's beautiful. So I'm really happy that they're picking that series back up because I can't wait to see what's next. And then the last one I was going to mention is The Me You Love in the Dark, which, by the way, I love that title. It's actually the reason why I picked it up in the first place was just because of the title. But it's about a woman. She's an artist. And she moves into a huge house, like a very old house, to kind of get her inspiration back. And there is this entity that exists in the house. And it's a little bit more Lovecraftian than I expected. I expect it to be more of a ghost tale. It's really good. And by the end of issue three, she gets extremely close with the entity. And (laughs) I want to see what happens next. So maybe they'll have entity babies. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But that one is written by Scotty Young, and I can recommend that one so far. Now, let's go ahead and dive into news here because there was a lot that happened over the last week. Not only did we have a lot of news, but also Disney Plus Day just kind of dominated everything. We expected it to be really Marvel heavy, and of course it was, but there were some really cool announcements, so we'll touch on that here in a second. Before we do, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters have announced that they are making a horror comedy called Studio 666. So they swear that a house that they recorded their album Medicine at Midnight in was haunted. And they're actually going to film in that same house that they swear (laughs) is haunted. And so I think it's going to be a a pretty funny thing. I love meta films. You know, I think it's going to be fun to see these guys playing themselves and interacting with the gates of hell or whatever's going to happen. Dave says, we wanted to recapture the classic magic that all of our favorite rock and roll movies had, but with a twist, hilarious gore that effing rocks. And that is going to hit theaters in February on the 25th. I'm a casual fan of Foo Fighters. My sister is actually obsessed <laughs> with, with the Foo Fighters and Dave. I even sent her as a gift uh, last Christmas, just his head as like an air freshener that I found on on Etsy. <laughs> but it's going to be funny to see if she actually checks this out because she is very not into horror at all. Yeah, but that'll be a fun one. So the other bit of news that is not Disney Plus related is that the anthology TV series, Freddy's Nightmares. So the soundtrack is coming to vinyl. Terror Vision Records and video and Bloody Disgusting are teaming up to make that happen. And pre-orders just opened a few days ago. So vinyl fans, you can add that to your collection here pretty soon. Let's get into Disney Plus news. We're going to start with Prey, which is a prequel to all of the Predator films. That's coming to Hulu summer of 2022. It's going to be directed by Dan Trechenberg, who also did 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's actually going to be set in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. And it's going to follow a female warrior who is going to protect her tribe against the Predator. So that should be some fun to dive into. And again, that comes to Hulu in 2022. Are you excited for this one?
1: I am pretty excited for it. I've been a fan of Predator since I was little. So
0: we put this news out there and a lot of people are like, Oh, like, I was really surprised that, you know, their reaction was just more like, meh, I don't know if I'm excited for this one. So maybe once it gets closer, it'll amp up the excitement of it. But I'm not really sure what the reservations are against it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the Predator films they've released recently have been pretty good. Besides the Alien versus Predator films, they're fun, but they're trash fun.
0: The second bit of news to cover from Disney Plus is that we got a look at the Sanderson sisters for Hocus Pocus 2. The main three actresses, they're coming back and they are reprising their roles. The premise for this one is going to be three young women accidentally bring back the sisters to modern day Salem and they have to figure out how to stop the witches from wreaking havoc in the world. So it really sounds like the first one. As I said, Marvel had a ton of news come out. I'm just going to kind of fly through this. So Hawkeye is coming this month. Um, Moon Knight is coming next year. She-Hulk is coming next year, which, okay, I'm excited about that. I've always wanted a She-Hulk <laughs> film or TV show. Uh, Miss Marvel is coming next year. Echo is coming soon. They didn't have a release date for that one. Ironheart, same. They didn't have a release date for that one. Agatha, House of Harkness, I love WandaVision and I loved her character. So very excited about that. Uh, Secret Invasion, which we'll see Samuel L. Jackson come back. The Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special with James Gunn directing and writing that one. I'm definitely in for that. X-Men 97. This one I'm very excited about. An animated series that will go into new stories about the 1990s timeline of the original series.
1: They better keep the same theme song
0: that was the best. Uh, What If Season 2, which is going to be Spider-Man freshman year. I Am Groot, which is going to be shorts that explore baby Groot and his shenanigans, which are going to be adorable. Marvel Zombies is going to have an animated series. I am super stoked about that. Are you a fan of those comics? I
1: love the comics. I kind of wish it was live action, but I'll take the animated series. At least we're getting something.
0: I was surprised that it was going to be animated over live action. I expected it. I knew something was coming for Marvel Zombies, but mm-hmm. I expect it to be live action. So that is it for Marvel. The last three things are from Star Wars Lucasfilm announcements, and that is going to be Willow, which is going to be a sequel to the 1988 film of the same name. That is going to come out in 2022. Obi Wan Kenobi is going to be set 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. That's coming next year. I cannot wait for that one. I'm going to devour it. I can't wait. And then Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett, which explores the origin of Boba Fett that's out now. And I'm going to watch that Thanksgiving week. Really excited about that. Speaking of Thanksgiving, as I said, a lot of us are going to be diving into some holiday horror and just holiday films in general. But you know, for a lot of us holiday horror films, and let's get into what Tubi has to offer. The first film is the only non-winter slash Christmas film, but it's a Thanksgiving film, so we have to mention it, right? And that is Blood Rage from 1987. Now, in previous episodes, we have gone way more in-depth about Blood Rage, so we're not going to do that now. I feel like it would be a little bit repetitive for people who have listened to our previous episodes, (laughs) but it is a Thanksgiving slasher, so it's a lot of fun. It has one of the best lines ever with that's not cranberry sauce. (laughs) Um, And basically, it follows a boy who murders someone and pins it on his twin, and it jumps to them as young adults. Yeah. And so the slashing starts again, and there's a fun twist, and the mom is great. So it's pretty much a must see, I think, for slasher fans, especially, you know, if you're into holiday horror, that's like one of the only Thanksgiving. We have the Thanksgiving films those are like a whole different level. <laughs>
1: <film>. <laughs> yes, they are.
0: You have to really be in the mood to kind of watch that type of film. <laughs> but uh, but this one's a good slasher. So had to start off with that one. So the next film is one that I actually saw more recently. I'm kind of ashamed to say that because I feel like, you know, like my horror card gets like a a notch in it. But that is Christmas Evil from 1980 with director Lewis Jackson. I am in love with this film now. It is going to be one that I watch every single year. The poster for it kind of sets it up more like a Santa slasher, um, like Silent Night, Deadly Night. And that is not what it is. As I start watching it, I kind of kept making comparisons in my head to Taxi Driver because it is more about his progression back into madness than it is hacking and slashing.
1: This is, if not my favorite, I don't know, I don't want to call it a slasher because like you said, it's, it's so much more than that. It stands side by side with Taxi Driver and Joker even as just like a really well done character synopsis on someone who's going insane. And the performance by Brandon Maggart is so good. He completely blows me away. Uh, And his performance stands right next to De Niro and uh, Joaquin Phoenix for me. Like it's that solid.
0: If I watched a triple feature of taxi driver christmas evil and joker i would be extremely depressed by the end of the night (laughs) yes uh but you're right man it really fits in with those two films way more than it would with like silent night deadly night Mm -hmm. i like i said i went into it expecting a slasher and you know nothing really happens like that in the first i don't know hour maybe
2: Mm -hmm.
0: i didn't care because it was such a great watch. And I didn't know until I watched it. I didn't know that that was Fiona Apple's dad. That's pretty cool.
1: I just found that out recently as well.
0: Matt, I had mentioned to you, because I know you're a fan that I really want to dive into this movie a lot more than what we're going to today on this episode. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to move on from that because I, you know, I do I want to dive into that. We'll probably have that in a couple of other movies that we really take a longer look at um, when it gets closer to Christmas. Mm -hmm. If you have not seen that film, or if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely go watch it because it was just phenomenal. Speaking of Silent Night, Deadly Night, Tubi does not have the first film. But they do have part two through five. So they have all the other Silent Night, Deadly Night films, just not the first one. You'll have to find that one somewhere else if you're wanting to do a watch of the whole series, which I think I'm going to start here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, really, the first three are all connected, right? Part two and part three are direct sequels to the first one. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of its own trilogy. And then in part four, one of my favorite horror guys, Matt, do you know who I'm talking about, gets involved? Mr. Yeah. Yes, Brian Yesna. He gets involved and he takes over as directing. Now, he is weird.
1: <laughs> this film fits him perfectly.
0: It really does. If you've ever seen Society, if you've ever seen Return of Living Dead 3, I, whenever I interviewed him, I think I made the title like Making Horror Weird, a talk with Brian Yesna, because he's just weird and I love it. His movies are not for everybody. I have to guess that there's probably fans of the first or maybe the first three that aren't fans of four and five because he's involved with both. But yeah, so he directs and produces part four and he brings in Clint Howard, Reggie Bannister from Phantasm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of Halloween part three, season of The Witch, if you think about it, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: We go from the Santa slasher and now we're following a LA news reporter who is investigating someone's death. And she like gets mixed up with witches who (laughs) want to make her their ritual on Christmas. (laughs) Has nothing to do with anything. It's also called Bugs, by the way. The other title for this movie is Bugs.
1: Which is appropriate because there's so many insect creatures in that film.
0: Yes, yep. Uh, it is very applicable, for sure. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. So, Brian didn't direct this one. The director's actually Martin Kittrosser, but he does produce it, and he did write it. So, you know, it's still going to be a little bit weird. And it is. It is. <laughs> that one stars Mickey Rooney, who actually was not a fan of the first film. But there he is in part five. But that one follows a toy maker and they make toys designed to kill kids. So again, it's a little Halloween (laughs) three-ish. So those are some fun films.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to be in that trashy, weird kind of mood, but they're fun.
0: So the next one on the list is actually one of my favorites. It's just so bad, (laughs) especially part two. It's going to be a part one and part two. They're just so bad, but I love them. And that is Jack Frost. Jack Frost 1 came out in 1997. Jack Frost 2 came out in 2000. Part 2 is literally one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> it's just so bad. But my God, I, <laughs> I have to watch it. So I've actually already watched them both this month because I, I wanted to, to go ahead and dive into those. But the director on both of those is Michael Cooney. And, you know, the first one actually marks the appearance of Shannon Elizabeth for the first time. And, you know, she quickly became that sex symbol. She is naked uh, in this first one. She actually dies a very horrific death of uh, (laughs) death by carrot in the shower. I guess we can just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, apparently that scene, though, wasn't supposed to be what it ended up being. He was just taking her and bashing her against uh, the wall. And when they watched back, they said, wait, do you know what that looks like he's doing? (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So they added some one-liners because, you know, Jack has a lot of really good Mm one-liners. Part two, I actually miss the one-liners in part two because it's not really, you know, there as much. But in part one, he has some great one-liners. And they just dubbed in some one-liners to make it seem like she died via Carrot instead of (laughs) a wall (laughs) bash. And by the way, that scene or right before that scene actually has my favorite moment in the entire film, which is when she and her boyfriend come into the sheriff's house because no one is home and they are going to get a little frisky in the sheriff's house. And so she comes in and it's snowing outside. And so her hair is wet from the snow. So she goes upstairs, she, she blow dries her hair completely dry, and then she gets into the bath and immediately puts her hair into the water. And it <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> it drives me crazy every single time I watch it. So good. So good. So something anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of kills, there are some really fun kills in part one and part two. Part two is even goofier than part one with the kills. But I have to say that one of my favorite kills, and this sounds horrible to, to put it this way, is but it's when the little boy <laughs> um, <laughs> dies, uh, Jack takes off his head. The reason that I really like that, the kid's a bully anyway, you know, but no. But the reason I really like that scene is because nobody gives a shit after. Like. <laughs> Nobody cares. His mom sees his head off of his body and she's freaking out, of course, you know. And the dad is like, Oh my gosh, calm down. Go inside, you know, (laughs) like go inside and (laughs) sit down and calm down. And it's like your kid just got decapitated. And right after this is when his sister, who was played by Shannon Elizabeth, is like, Feeling super horny with her boyfriend, and literally, just nobody cares about this kid (laughs) like getting decapitated. Like, what a horrible way to go! And he's like, what, 11, 10?
1: Yeah, he must have been a way worse kid than they show in the film. (laughs) Because you are 100% correct, like, no one cared whatsoever. It's so hilariously great.
0: There's not a care, but I really do love the dad just being like, go calm down. Like, why are you so upset? (laughs) Right. What's your favorite kill?
1: You just said it. (laughs) For the exact same reasons. It's just so ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I love that one.
0: It is. It is. Um, In part two, you know, like I said, the, the kills are way goofier. And even the killing of Jack himself is like... So in the (laughs) first in the first one, they kill I can't hardly even say this without just laughing. But (laughs) the first one, they kill him by antifreeze, which Mm -hmm. it makes sense, you know, like you're gonna kill this toxic snowman by antifreeze. Got it. The second one that doesn't work. The only thing that's going to work this time is bananas. He <laughs> start like shooting bananas at him and, and somehow he had a bunch of snow babies. So there's all like little gremlins, you know? Yeah. This one is actually takes place on a tropical island.
1: Where there's so much snow.
0: The more that I continue talking about this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is ridiculous.
1: That's why it's so great.
0: If you haven't seen it, you got to see it.
1: Yes, just for the snow baby special (laughs) effects alone.
0: (laughs) So good. On a serious note, the man who played the sheriff, Christopher Alport, he actually died in an avalanche, like a freak avalanche, in 2008. Uh, He was on Mad Men at the time as Pete Campbell's dad. And so they actually killed off his character in a plane crash. They dedicated the episode to him. And then he was also in Dead and Buried and Savage Weekend, which are two cult classics. Mm -hmm. And I do know that Dead and Buried is also on Tubi. Just saying. It is. Speaking of absolutely ridiculous movies, (laughs) the next one is Dead Snow, Red vs. Dead in 2014. So this is the follow-up to the first film. And after I saw the first film, I praised it everywhere. I would tell everybody about it. I thought Dead Snow was just one of the it still is it's just one of the best movies now tubi doesn't have part one but they have part two but are you a fan of these films
1: yes especially the first one when i herald it very highly when it came out as well i like the second one not as much as the first one because it gets a little pokier than even the first one was but as far as fun goes it's it's definitely there
0: So these are Norwegian films, and the first one doesn't have any Americans. They don't have English in them, and this one has a lot of it. And so I kind of felt like maybe it was brought in for American audiences to kind of grasp onto because Mm -hmm. we're not the best at reading words on screen sometimes, so we complain about it a little bit. But, you know, if you haven't seen these films, the first one follows a group of friends who go out to a log cabin on the mountain, and they find gold, and the gold resurrects some zombie nazis because it is nazi gold and so the uh, the head of these nazi zombies actually survives in To the second film, but he loses his arm. Yes. The survivor from the group of friends also loses his arm (laughs) and he gets the Nazi zombie arm attached to his body. And so he kind of goes on like a killing spree. But then also at the same time, this wave of Nazi zombies are coming to take over a town and it's like a huge bloodbath between the residents of the town and all of these Nazi zombies. At the end, though, it sets up for part three, right? Mm-hmm. director said in 2017 that it is happening, but it's going to take a few years. So it's been a few years. <laughs> There's no more developments. Hopefully that means it's just getting made and it's not on the shelf somewhere because I want to see it. But when that comes out, he promises to have a zombie Hitler. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> So the next film is, uh, is this the newest film on our list? I think it might be. It's 2016. Mm -hmm. And that is Better Watch Out. And this is a recent watch for me, I watched it, I think, uh, a week ago, maybe. And I didn't realize that it had the same actors who played siblings in The Visit, also in this one. And so I'm a big fan of the boy. <laughs> I just like he's adorable. But yeah, and so they are in this one. And yeah, I don't really want to go into the twist because I watched it a week ago, I didn't know the twist. And I was really glad I didn't know. I kind of started to piece things together a little bit. So I don't want to spoil it just in case someone out there hasn't seen it and they're going to check it out based on this recommendation. But did you like the twist without saying what it is? (laughs) Were you a fan of it? Uh,
1: Yeah, I liked the twist, although I don't like the character. (laughs) And that little kid from The Visit is adorable. I can't stand him. Every time I see him, I just see him <laughs> rapping from The Visit. I just can't.
0: <laughs> the actor that we're talking about is Ed Oxenbold. You know, there. I think there are two types of people in this world. I think there is someone who hated his rapping in The Visit. And there is me who has watched YouTube clips of just him rapping <laughs> because I loved it so much.
1: You are the only
0: one. Um, I am a big fan of his, though. So I was excited to see him. And he was like a highlight of this whole movie for me. <laughs> but it was a fun watch. And you know, I don't think it was a perfect film. I think that it lulls a little bit at times, like they really don't know what mm-hmm. to do with the characters to advance it. Right. But you know, there are some really funny Home Alone references. Some are very in your face. Literally. And some are a little bit more subtle. But I thought what was interesting is this is actually an Australian movie. Everyone sounds American, and it takes place in America. Mm -hmm. But it was filmed in Australia, and I think like 98% of the entire cast are Australian. Right. But horror fans, you're going to like seeing the mom, who is Virginia Madsen, who of course played in Candyman. I'm one of the only people who actually thinks about her from one episode of Frasier. (laughs) first. <laughs> and then Candyman. I'm that person.
1: That's very on brand for you.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. She doesn't have a huge role, but it's fun to see her in the in the beginning and the end. So but yeah, that's a fun little home invasion slasher flick. Like I said, it's not perfect, but it's a fun one. So next is 2010's Frozen. And, you know, every single time someone ever mentions this film, they always have to say, not that Frozen. But y'all obviously already know that. This is the Adam Green film. And Matt, are you a fan of this one?
1: I am a a big fan of Adam Green in general. I've met him and he was one of the nicest, uh, most humble people in the horror community that I've ever met. I think he was more excited to be there than I was which is refreshing. I love the hatchet series. And I love this film as well.
0: At first, when I heard that there's a horror film that takes place on a ski lift, I'll admit that I kind of went, okay, how is that gonna be scary or tense or whatever? Because I don't know if it's necessarily like scary, but it's pretty intense. It is. Man, it works. You know, Adam Green also made the Hatchet series and Kane Hodder, who's the star of that as the killer. um, He also makes a fun little cameo in this. This actually has a few fun cameos, though, if you really dive into it. Adam Green is all about working with his friends. I mean, one of the characters name is Joe Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) And Joe Lynch even makes a cameo in it. If you know him and you've seen his web series all about his circle and his friends, But it follows three friends who get stuck on a ski lift and they are just dangling up there. And so no one's going to be back for days and it reaches below freezings. You know, if you remember the scene from A Christmas Story where the little boy sticks his tongue to the pole and like it gets stuck, you can think about that happening all over your body. (laughs) You know, it's not good. Right. And then you add in, you know, on top of hypothermia and starvation and dehydration, you add a giant pack of wolves that are hungry (laughs) and they see you as dinner. It's one that I have to really be in the mood to see because it makes my anxiety (laughs) just go through the roof. Moving on to another winter horror film, and that is 30 Days of Night from 2007. And that was directed by David Slade, and it's based on the comic book from IDW. I know, Matt, you're a big comic guy. Mm -hmm. Have you read this one?
1: I have, by Steve Niles, who's very prolific in the horror comics world. And the artist was Ben Templesmith, whose art isn't for everybody, but I enjoy it. I'm a big fan of the comic. I liked the film as well.
0: The writer, he wrote the screenplay, I believe as well, for the film. I think so. When the characters go up into the attic, there's actually a picture of him on the wall in the attic. So a fun little Easter egg. (laughs) So with this one, it's a vampire film. And do you consider this kind of a must-see, essential vampire film?
1: I'm not really a big fan of the whole vampire genre, but I'll watch this one pretty much any time. So just going off of that, yes.
0: I agree. The main reason is, is these vampires are probably the scariest vampires in a horror film that I've ever seen. Marlo? Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: So good.
0: He terrified me. After I watched it, I kept thinking about him and he still comes into my mind. (laughs) He haunts my (laughs) thoughts a little bit, but I think he's one of the scariest vampires that I've seen in film.
1: I really love how they like have their own language. So you don't know exactly what they're saying. But his facial expressions, and you can just tell that there's so much intelligence behind what's going on. It's just so well acted, really, really terrifying, kind of like a pack mentality going on. I'm a big fan of uh, how menacing the vampires are in this film.
0: I also love that they have their own language. You know, these are very ancient vampires. And so they actually created that language for Mm -hmm. the film. So it's nothing that can be translated or anything like that. But yes, I I love that as well. You know, another character that really, really sticks in my mind from this is the stranger, Mm -hmm. which is played by Ben Foster. He is terrifying. And he just he sells the whole film. He really does from a human perspective. So
1: yeah, Ben Foster is just awesome. And pretty much everything I've seen him in. There's a couple subplots in the comic that they left out of the film. I mean, overall the movie is and the comic are the same. Like it's the same story. There's a like a vampire hunter subplot where there's a couple people that are trying to out vampires and like prove the real that's not included in the film. And then there's One that I think the film could have actually benefited from. Marlo's group of vampires is like a split off part. And the other faction of vampires are pissed off that he's going to Barrow because they're afraid that it's going to reveal them to the humans. It results in like a huge battle between Marlo and like the head vampire. That would have been really cool to see. But I mean, you only have so much time to spend on a film. So I get it. Overall, I was pretty impressed.
0: Same. And of course, you have that ending, which may or may not make me tear up (laughs) every (laughs) single time I watch it. It gets me. So it's a good ending, though. Yes, it is. I'm actually going to dive into those comics here pretty soon. I think I'm going to wait until December because I think that'll be a really fun December read. So I'm excited. So the last two films on our list, I really think are ultimate Christmas books horror movies the first one being 1974's black christmas by bob clark and bob clark also of course brought a christmas story how cool is it to have these two essential christmas films by the same director and they're just totally different films now this one was originally titled silent night evil night and i'm really glad that they changed it to black christmas agreed And this is actually one of the earliest slasher films ever made. And it is the first holiday horror slasher film ever made. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Halloween followed in 1978. But, yeah, this was the first one. So, Matt, what do you think about this villain, Billy?
1: The phone calls are so creepy. Like, you hear multiple voices. Just thinking about it now in my head kind of gives me chills. It's just so well done. Just a classic film. Definitely getting its due now. Back when I was younger, the slasher talk was always, oh, Halloween, Halloween. It was first, and... Not a lot of people knew of this movie back when I was younger, but I'm glad that it's more recognized now. I think it's great that Bob Clark has like the quintessential Christmas movie for horror fans and the quintessential Christmas movie for, I guess, normal people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure most people have seen this and it's a classic. I love that you don't find out who the killer is. The POV shots are amazing. Uh, he was like the first to do that. This is the template for every slasher that came after, pretty much. Yes. Halloween always gets that credit, but Black Christmas is what did it.
0: Yes, indeed. And one thing about it that always terrified me, along with the phone calls, like you mentioned, is that you're supposed to feel safety in numbers. And I feel like women in a sorority, we should feel safe because we are surrounded by friends and you're living all in the same house it should just be a place where you feel safe being at and so the fact that a killer can actually live among them and start picking them off without them realizing you know i think that's a pretty scary thought because again you know you're not home alone you're not living alone you're living with all these women and yet you are falling prey to this killer so like you said everyone has probably seen this we really don't have to dive into it that much Mm -hmm. you gotta watch it man As I mentioned, along with this one, I think that this last film on our list is also a Christmas horror film that you have to watch. And I actually didn't see this until maybe five years after its release. It was released in 2010. But like nobody talked about it. It just flew so under the radar. Now we're talking about rare exports at Christmas tale. I think what's really helped this film, and I know it helped for me is that Alamo Draft House, which I'm a huge fan of Alamo, They have showings of it every Christmas. So this one takes place in Finland. Mm -hmm. Man, it has the creepiest elves I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) And of course, the elves are like naked old men who look like Santa. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This one, it does focus on a kid who discovers Santa, like this ancient version of Santa, though, that was buried in a mountain to secure him because he is that dangerous to the world. And uh, him and his father, which they're actually father and son in real life as well, mm-hmm. the the actors that play them. But, you know, even though it's like a father-son tale, you have to be careful about this one if you're watching it with the kids <laughs> because yes. there's a whole lot of old man uh, genitalia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you're a fan of this one.
1: Yes. It was also one that I'm sure I saw a few years after it had come out. I hadn't heard anything about it when I watched it. I think I saw it. I just love holiday horror. So I put it on and was just genuinely surprised at how great it was. I think my favorite part of the film is that they make you think that you know what Santa is, and that turns out to be just the elf. Mm -hmm. I love that reveal. I love the relationship between the father and son. This is just a must-watch Christmas movie, period.
0: Yes. There's a lot of horror in this movie. Mm -hmm. And kind of how you mentioned is that you have this bean and you think oh my god this thing is santa this thing is terrifying and like you said you find out no that's just his elf so what is santa then right the thought of santa being this really powerful ancient entity which they had to bury in a mountain it was like an ancient burial ground for him that's such a terrifying thing to think (laughs) about so (laughs) Um, and definitely not the santa that we are used to so i'm a huge fan of alternate versions of santa
1: mm-hmm. me too
0: this one does it the best agreed that one is on Tubi, like the rest of them so if you haven't seen it or you need to again then there you go Okay, so that's the end of our holiday horror list from Tubi. And hopefully you heard about something that you've never seen before or that you haven't seen in a while that you can go check out. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And please be sure to follow or subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And you can connect with us on social media at Horror Geek Life. And I'm at Horror Geek Mel on Instagram. Until next week.